Welcome to Art of Retreat 2018, the Parkour Leadership and Education Conference. This year we're in the Cascade Mountains outside of Seattle. I'm Craig Constantine from Movers Mindset, and I'm here with Marcus Lincoln. Marcus Lincoln hails from Austin, Texas, and he is a highly experienced coach and a senior member of the Parkour Generations Americas team. Initially inspired by Jump London, Marcus started his movement exploration with friends, watching and imitating YouTube videos during parkour's rise in online popularity. He soon became influenced by the members of the Yamakasi, Parkour Generations, and eventually the Williams Bell Method, prompting further pursuits of mindful training, community, leadership, and event development. After moving to Boston to join PK Gen Americas, Marcus' interests have taken him deeper still into the fields of proprioceptive awareness, response patterning, and rapid technical movement. Welcome, Marcus. Hello, Craig. Marcus, your session today was titled Parkour Concepts, and I know that the title is a little vague, but I know mm. that the material you have is far from vague, so can you give me the outline or the overview of what you went over? Yeah, actually, um, it's interesting because the first thing I did was change the title to Parkour Vision. Mm. Um, originally, I didn't really know what to call it. Uh, the idea that I had was just to talk about how we visualize parkour when we look at a space or read a terrain or a landscape. Um, so the ideas that I spoke about were the exploring the immediate space around your physical body and how that space might interact with the environment, become limited or open up and become more broad. Um, from there, we talked about finding patterns within that space. So maybe we repeat a type of movement uh, depending on a particular type of space or how we feel so we can find that pattern and then maybe extrude it and extrapolate it over time to create uh, what I call a movement continuum. Um, usually it would take it just within a couple of seconds to find this continuum, um, but we can imagine all the individual positions or uh, places that we might be if we took like a video and went frame by frame by frame. Mm -hmm. It creates this undulation almost like a long word shape thing that uh, that's our movement continuum. We slice that up kind of like a loaf of bread and look at it and analyze it and we can find these patterns and we can find our important positions. And so I also kind of ask the question is how do, we, how do we read a landscape and think about the potential or the potentiality is the word that I used. Um, just all the possible maybe outcomes or, or choices that you might make dependent upon those movement patterns, dependent upon those positions, dependent upon our practice. So if I were like dancing or something different, my movement patterns might be different. And so the way I interact with the environment might be different as well. And I really just ask people to think and to visualize what um, they saw in the landscape and maybe turn that into a little bit more of a intellect-based uh, knowledge rather than experiential-based knowledge that we gain just from practicing in general. Visualizing a continuum can be really tricky. I liked your metaphor of like a loaf of bread where you're slicing and taking mm -hmm. out frames, but can you take me further into that process of like how do I visualize a continuum and then what does it really mean to like extrude or extrapolate that into okay, okay. a space? Yeah, so um, I guess if we start with the idea of a movement continuum, you could think of maybe a timeline, right? Mm -hmm. So if we just had some sort of a timeline and we could uh, hypothetically slice that timeline into smaller pieces. Um, if we zoomed in on those pieces individually, we might find patterns that we recognize. Um, and in parkour, we uh, call these patterns like a, you know, a jump or a cat pass or like a cat leap or something like right. that. Or maybe um, like a three, like a two point of contact in a corner vault or something. You see, yeah, there's that correct. pattern. Oh, here's the pattern over and here. It, we have a lot of words for patterns that we recognize, mm -hmm. and then there's a lot of patterns that we would say, oh, because it's parkour, you can uniquely move in a specific environment specific to your body, uh, and that could be something that isn't specifically defined okay. by one of our uh, general vocabulary words or something like this. But um, the patterns that we do find, um, maybe investigating those patterns and finding which ones uh, repeat themselves helps us to create sort of a base model understanding of what 
our movement is like. Okay. And then from there, it, uh, we can um, create variance because we know this is what our normal movement is like. So this is we can make decisions based off of that and say, I'm going to do this instead. Uh, I'm going to try these techniques that I haven't done in a while or I'm going to uh, practice in this way that's unusual to me. I'm going to do the things that I'm not good at or I'm going to... Um, introduce two movement patterns together that I don't normally put together. Okay. Um, now, this this is obviously going through uh, the mind of the practitioner based off of, you know, some uh, random imagined environment. But what we do find in the real environment also uh, tends us towards particular movement types. So if someone, let's say, uh, grows up in their parkour experience in one location and then they go to another location, the vocabulary that they use is going oh. to be defined by the original location okay, that they that's practiced in, right? And so um, this this goes into maybe recognizing the, the pattern recognition portion of my talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, going back to the uh, movement continuum, uh, it's it's we're going smaller in, in building blocks from the continuum down to uh, a single Units, pattern right. or like maybe a route might be a series of patterns all put together. And they, of course, have subunits or subpatterns. So when I jump, I swing my arms and I extend my legs and my entire body moves forward. So different subphases are working for the overall phase of a thing that's happening. And then our movement pattern is produced, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then if, if we take that and even isolate it further, we can find points of interest or just maybe specific positions that we use. So a cat leap uh, involves a cat hang um, as a specific position. And it also involves maybe standing or running, but let's say standing for this example, to then jump, right? So we can say that mm. the standing position is a point of interest and the cat hang position is also a point of interest. And I know at some point I need to be at the highest most point of the arc right. when I jump. So that also becomes point of maybe a point of interest or for maybe a particular the first foot to touch the correct, wall, right? Yeah, yeah. So anywhere along this like rainbow arc, uh, we could we could measure it. Let's say it's it's hundred and eighty degrees that we jump from one side to the to the cat leap on the other. Um, and we break it up to a degree 73 and we say, what is this position like? Uh, maybe my technique could be this way or that way. Mm-hmm. And so then we start getting into the biomechanical analysis of what our position uh, is doing for us and how efficient it is, how efficient it could be if we need to make some change to it. Um, but really what I just asked the um, participants in my session to do was just to maybe become aware and to start thinking more about how we could use these um, existing movement analysis uh, practices or methodologies and apply it to parkour in a way that we intuitively learn when we experience parkour. So I go out and I do 100 jumps, 200 jumps, and then I'm like, okay, now my body knows what to do. But how do I then translate that into a clear, coherent, and concise thought that I could explain to you or to someone else and have them accurately understand what it is that I'm saying? Um, and that I would consider is a little bit more in- in- intellect um, rather than the uh, intuition that intuition. you might gain. So that creating some sort of language, uh, and in this case, we used pictures. I asked everyone to draw different things, like proprioception is kind of a weird thing to draw. <laughs> right. Or, right? So I feel my hand, <laughs> what does that look like? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I gave some examples as well um, of my own uh, just thoughts and design. Um, not that they're anything uh, very extravagant. I just used like Google Slides and mm-hmm. really rudimentary, <laughs> like you know, stick figures work in my book. Yeah, hey, uh, that's just what. And I mean, I did a lot of um, finding YouTube videos that gave uh, parkour videos. Obviously, mm-hmm. that gave mm, good examples of what sorts of things I was talking about, and just made short clips and put it into to, to show everyone because then mm-hmm. they get a visual feedback of what 
I'm actually talking about as it relates directly to the practice that they recognize. And so again, finding that common language and then helping them to create their own visual language because pictures are uh, something that we've been reading for a long time and creating yeah, for a long up time. On that, right? um, I'm not like an anthropologist or anything, but I assume we drew pictures before we like wrote letters. Um, and so that was one of our, that's like one of our natural learning methods is by looking and we visualize in, in a similar way, right? Our, we're looking in 3D space, but our brain is creating it in like a 2D pattern that hmm. we can measure because we have two individual eyes that help create that overlap. But um, again, all of this just to help the participants to think and to visualize in such a way that maybe creates a system to give them more feedback than they would normally get, not really thinking about something in depth. So to give you an example, if um, uh, a beginner were to do like a Kong vault, for instance, if they could do a Kong vault in the first place, because <laughs> like some people... I get what you're saying, at least a monkey Even, even on the ground, something. Uh, and then uh, imagine the things that go through their mind consciously and subconsciously and then let's take like a very very advanced practitioner and say okay well what goes through your mind the beginner would probably have to focus on a certain piece of that movement um, to eventually put together enough pieces to build the overall efficiency right. to do the movement nicely and then they become intermediate right because they can just like kind of use it but they still have to think about it but an advanced person probably just does it it's just it's just kong yeah right? it's a sequence um, absolutely and so it, such that um if uh, like processing when if a computer has like 100 percent processing capability an advanced practitioner probably only uses like five percent small portion of it Kong. and so they have enough uh, processing power to maybe look and read the environment beyond of, of course people like normally plan plan their routes out and plan their movements right. out ahead of time but they could be focusing on something that's not just the kong so kong to precision the flight and the precision become the important part after the kong obviously but you don't get caught up in thought on the kong you move past it to complete the motion. And maybe even if you continue running past that, you have to move past all of these obstacles so you don't get stuck on an individual one. But again, the beginner might have to get stuck at a certain point because they're not comfortable with the piece of the movement that then creates the larger mm -hmm. series of patterns that go together, which then again might create that undulation, like I was saying, that um, I use the word extrude and I, I'm like, an example I would give, maybe I'm using the word incorrectly because I'd probably have to look it up the exact definition of it, but <laughs> if I if I took a video of something, like I said, and um, time-lapsed even just like 10 seconds of somebody doing like a Kong to precision, uh, and then took that time-lapse and made a picture of it to where you could see every single position mm -hmm. throughout that entire 10 seconds, so every frame that the person was in, you see it all put together, it would just create this long line of yeah a volume of all you, of the volume yeah, they occupied at some correct, point exactly this space it's it's almost as if it were like a tunnel that they're moving through mm -hmm. uh in each if you like again if you slice that you would find the positions but uh, each of those movements go together just for the moment but they have to fit in the certain way that they do if your position is off in one way because your technique is off because your thought is off right then it, it changes the entirety of the continuum right um and this is just as as an individual is moving through space, it could be decided by them, or it could be maybe like you're in a particular environment that is has a specific movement that only you can you can only do this one movement to like climb up the wall or to like right. do a wall or, or something. Low, low ceiling or something. However like. it is, yeah. Um, so a space might dictate what kinds of movements you can do, um, and so maybe you can't do that kong to precision in that area because there's an obstacle in a way that just doesn't make it possible, right? So you have to find 
you're, you're, you're constrained by the environment to a degree. So it's like a conversation that you have back and forth with the environment. This is what I, this is how I feel. This is what I want to say. And the environment also is a certain way. It doesn't change your feel necessarily, but it just, it just exists and is that way. So you can express yourself around it. You just can't change it unless something like breaks. I guess <laughs> you have to be careful in that way. Um, and so um, I guess this leads into another idea that I had in my talk, which was potentiality. Mm-hmm. So if, if we imagine that sort of movement continuum, line or undulation, but for an, uh, an environment and said, okay, these are all the possible spaces that you could move in that environment mm-hmm. due to like, you know, you can, you can only climb. Yeah, you can only reach so six feet. I can, I'm only four feet wide or right, whatever. Right, So an individual has their own amount of space. Like a possible space. These yes. are all the places you could occupy. The, the terminology I used for this individual space was the kinosphere, or right. the movement yep, sphere, yep, yep. essentially. And that changes as you change position and you shift your weight. Um, but a space also has uh, sort of an area that you can access within it um and if we made uh if we looked at the if we sliced that potentiality we might find that there's a lot of different movement patterns we can put into that space even Mm -hmm. if it's the same space over and over we can do lots and lots and lots of different things um and uh it just creates a large volume like you were saying of area that is accessible and accessible in many different ways um and this idea of potentiality becomes very large and um, I want to say infinite but obviously it's constrained again by the environment right. uh, and by our movement practice because if I went and I did breakdancing in an area that I was priorly, or like previously doing parkour I'd be using different movement patterns right. in that space so our potentiality is limited by our practice or limited by the movements that a person chooses to make mm-hmm. it's limited by their experience it's limited by their creative vision right, their, their physical capabilities all of, all of these are constraints but again the amount of small variations that exist um, is also is also an infinite thing. So they kind of counteract each other in such a way that you have a lot of constraints, but you also have a lot of choices that you can make. Um, and a lot of them might be similar, but that's okay because there's still small variants in between it. That um, when when you look for when you look for information, you find it because there's always something smaller or something mm. larger. Smaller slice you can cut. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Or 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 a larger series of patterns that you can put together. Um, and then let's say you have, you know, just one, two, three movements. Well, you can go two, one, three, three, one, two, right. and just mix it up. And then with more possibilities, you have more ways that you can intermix those patterns together. So it just becomes very dense and uh, interwoven with potential, which is, again, mm-hmm. why I use the word potentiality. Mm-hmm. So if people have been listening, um, kinesiology, kinesphere, and they have these ideas in their head, but it strikes me that it's really important that they take that and do something actionable mm-hmm. or visualize or physically go move. So what, what, you know, what can you tell people that they can get started on? Yeah, okay. Um, I think the easiest thing to do is to um, just start becoming aware of the things that you do already in your daily life. If we, if we limit it to maybe parkour or even, yeah, just your daily life in general, what positions do you use what patterns do you use? Um, a lot of people sit in chairs a lot, so um, <laughs> that's fair. Yes, stand up. Uh, at at home, I don't. I just sit on the floor all the time, and that forces me to sit down and to stand up. So mm-hmm. I was, I've become aware of the positions that I use, and I'm like, I don't like that position. I want to change that position, so I do that. Um, in parkour specifically, uh, you just again become aware of the movements that you like to do and the ones you don't like to do. The simple one that people already do is probably like, oh, well, I just practice this thing that I'm not good at. Which, Mm -hmm. yeah, you should do that. You practice what you're not good at, and then you get good at it, and then you like it, and then you become more well-rounded in general. And integrate it with your normal movement patterns, right? And it's it's perfectly fine to become a specialist as well, but that means it draws away from 
something else. So just become aware, becoming aware of what you do already um, and maybe finding variance to that. Um, I'll just make a change to do different movements or uh, maybe I can put my movements together in a different way. Maybe I can alternate my tempo or my rhythm of my training. Mm-hmm. Um, any, anything really that a person could imagine aside from just doing the same thing repetitively over and over. And so what people will uh, come to see, I hope, is that there's an infinite number of ways that you could change things. But which which ways do we really want to change into, right? You could just change into anything. So, you know, what do we do now? Well, in uh, parkour, which is like, I mean, that's something that I've been doing for a long time, so I'm quite passionate about it. Um, I asked myself one time, I said, um, I know that, like, uh, when I make physical movement that it alters my body like if a weightlifter lifted weights it'd become bigger and mm-hmm. stronger so um what positions and what movements do i want to shape my body with or do i want my body to be shaped by um and for me it's things like running it's jumping patterns it's quadrupedal movement it's hanging and swinging climbing movements um and those are just integral to parkour so not only do i want to be able to do the parkour specific movements kong to precision the shady cat leap uh, like wall run, however it is, I also want to make sure that my stability is correct and I want to make sure that uh, my general strength is correct. So I am aware that I do parkour specific things, but also I come back and I do daily things as well to make sure that uh, I have flexible range of motion or uh, I have proper stability and I'm eating properly and I'm sleeping properly. Um, so it, uh, as always, parkour practice begins to bleed into daily life so you just recognize the patterns that you're doing um, decide whether or not those are in line with your choices and your values and then if they're not you can imagine well what would I like to do instead Um, though there may be a gap between then and now we just say okay well what's the middle position and if that's too far and if that's too far you say okay well what's the one quarter what's 25 percent of that or what's you know 10 percent and then lo and behold ironically we have a nice continuum (laughs) of slices back to where we started right where we started yeah this gap uh, gap analysis is probably the terminology that i would use here's our space that we need to create a bridge from one side to the other let's you know make a post in the middle and again if that's too much just just a little change one percent it can be a lot Mm -hmm. over a hundred (laughs) days so um become aware look at what you do and decide what you want to do and if you're doing the thing you want cool continue doing that but maybe there's a way you can do it a little bit better or with more um spirit like an individual has their own uh individuality to them their own spirit their own personal energy and um being the best you is always a good choice and so yeah working towards that is what i would say just by recognizing by being aware and by making nice choices as well. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Craig. Marcus is one of 24 presenters this year. Be sure to check back to hear more.